Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. Uh, in my Bible, that's page 4, but you know, I'm at a particular age where one needs the large print Bible. So maybe for you, it's page 2 or page 3. Uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3. If you remember, for Lent, we're doing, we're calling it the story of the Bible. The, the key word there is that story is singular. The Bible has lots of stories in it, but it also has a story over it. It has an arc, much like modern TV shows today. And we will jump into the middle of the Bible, read something, and be totally lost because we have no idea where we are in the story. And so we are going through the story of redemption, this overarching story that goes across all of Scripture that started, we started at the beginning, Genesis 1 and 2. That's the introduction of the story. Today, Genesis 3, this is the problem. You know, any story, you've got to set the stage, you've got to have the conflict, then you've got the rising action, then you've got the, the climax, then you've got the falling action, the resolution, the denouement. The Bible has all of those. Genesis 1 and 2 is the introduction. Genesis 3 is the conflict. Genesis 3 is the problem. Why, why are we here? Why does the world look the way it looks? What's going on? And then Genesis 4 up until Matthew is the rising action. It's all the ways. It's all the issues. It's all the things going on as we're, we're trying to solve this problem. Why can't we solve it? Why can't we fix this? until we get to the, the climax, the Gospels, Jesus. Jesus comes. He is the solution. So read along with me, if you will, Genesis chapter 3. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. 
Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. So Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he'd been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So last week we had the introduction. We, we got the characters, God, the man, the woman, the, the world. I told you that the, the stories that the people that Moses is writing for around 1400 BC, that all the stories of creation they would have heard would have began with the universe existed and the gods arose. And our story, the story Moses tells is just the opposite. The God, God exists it's he who makes the universe. The universe arises because God makes it. He makes it with order. He makes it with care. He makes it with purpose. He makes people. He puts them together. They each have claims on importance. They, they need each other. He brings them and puts them together. And we end with this great line in verse 25 of chapter 2. Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. That, that they, they live in this idyllic garden. They're at peace with each other. They're at peace with themselves. And that says good as it's ever going to get, I'm sorry to say. Because from here on out, it's going to be problematic. And it begins with a new character, the serpent. Now we don't find out here, it's not until later in the Bible, we find out that the serpent is Satan. It's the devil. It's the evil one. We, before God made people, it turns out he made what we call angels. They're the spiritual beings. We're, we're physical beings that have a spirit. They're spiritual beings. So they're not physical, although they can interact with the physical world, just like we can interact with the spiritual world. And some of them rebelled. It, it, again, there's not a lot in the Bible. The Bible's more our story, but it, some of these angels rebelled. About a third of them were told. And their leader was a guy named Lucifer, or Satan. Satan is the Hebrew word, means accuser. And that's what he's called. His name is Lucifer, and he's called Satan, the, the accuser. And he is trying to sow havoc in God's world. He's trying to do harm. And again, we find all that out later. You know that, that old axiom in, in storytelling, right? Show, don't tell. We, we didn't invent that. The Bible was doing that a long, long time ago. We, we learn these things as we go on through the stories that the snake is, is actually Satan. And the snake starts questioning the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden. Now, what's the answer to that question? No. Heavens no, he didn't say that. God didn't say you can't, you can't, I mean, they're vegetarians, right? No, you can't eat any food in this garden. No, of course God didn't say that. And Eve answers him correctly. It's like, oh no, absolutely. We can eat from the trees of the garden, but God did say you must not eat tree, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Now three of the four things she says are true. You can't eat fruit from all the other trees. You can't eat from this tree. The consequences of eating from this tree are death. Those three are all true, but we can't touch it. Where do you think she got that? You know, it's interesting. 
God didn't give these commands to Eve. They're back in chapter two, verse 17. God says to Adam, hey, all the, any tree, eat whatever you want, not that one. Don't eat from that one. But Eve hadn't even been created yet. Presumably, Adam has to inform Eve of these. And I, I, you know, I don't know, did she get it wrong? Did he add something? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm often tempted to do that. You know, if this is the rule, I'm tempted to make the rule around here just to be on the safe side. I mean, that's probably wise. If you're not supposed to eat from the tree, let's just stay away from it. But, but she seems to think that's law. You can't even touch it. There is a, you've heard of the Pharisees. They're in the New Testament. They're, they're always opposing Jesus. Um, they, they take the Bible very very seriously. I mean, they're, they're the bad guys in the story, but they're the bad guys because of what they do with all this. But, but they take scripture very seriously. So much so that there is a group of them who are nicknamed in the ancient world, the bruised ones. Because the scriptures, the, the 10 commandments say, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. And so these guys, whenever they were out in public, they would never look up. Lest they see a woman and covet her, and break the commandment. And so they would often run into things because they had their heads down all the time. So they, had bru- they, were, li- they were called the bruised ones because they were bruised on their foreheads because they walked into walls because they wouldn't look up because here's the law, don't cover your neighbor's wife. And they built a hedge around it to try and protect themselves and they they made it law and wow there's always unintended consequences I think when you do that because the serpent says back to Eve you won't die well is that a true statement or not if you touch it you won't die I mean that's true but if you eat of it you will which which is he answering you won't die the serpent says to Eve God knows that when you eat from it your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good from evil that statement is 100% true it's exactly what happens they eat from it we're told verse 7 the eyes of both of them were opened God says later on in the chapter in verse 22 the man's become one of us like one of us he knows good from evil Everything the snake says in that sentence is true. This is what's going to happen when you eat from it. But do you hear the insinuation? God's holding out on you. There's this good thing out there. God doesn't want you to have it. He wants to keep it for himself. He wants to be the only one that has this. If you want it, you're going to have to take it. Because nobody else is going to do it for you. You've got to take hold of it. Verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom. All true. All true. I'm sure the fruit looked good. I'm sure it tasted good. And gaining wisdom is a good thing in scripture. Again, everything is true. It's this whole big mess of truth. Just a couple tiny little lies in there so that you can forget the one truth that matters most. God said no. That's the truth that matters. God said no. And look at all the work that they go to to get around that 
to come up with good reasons to be able to, to not do what God has said. Brothers and sisters, there's stuff in the scriptures that is confusing. There's stuff in the scriptures that, you know, I might take it this way and you might take it that way. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? When I'm sick, I want to be left alone. Does that mean I should leave you alone when you're sick? What if you don't want to be left alone when you're sick, right? You, you got to do some work here to make all this work. But wow, there's a lot of stuff in scripture that is very, very clear. We just don't like it. If someone harms you, can you harm them back? No, it's forbidden. Absolutely. Revenge is absolutely 100% forbidden. Why? Because God will deal with it. Not because they don't deserve it. Not because of justice. God is in charge of justice. God will deal with it. If someone harms you, you must forgive them. That's your only option. It is, it is taught dozens and dozens of times in the scripture. There's no ambiguity about that. But what do we do? What we say to ourselves, or someone says to us, did God really say you have to let that person hurt you? No, no, he didn't say that. He didn't say you must let that person hurt you over and over and over again. He said you may not repay evil with evil. Well, then if you're not gonna let that person hurt you, then you need to strike back. You need to stand up for yourself. No one else is gonna do it. You need to hit back. You know what happens if somebody hits you and you don't hit back? And we, we work our way. Did God really say, what about this? What about this? We, we, we take all of these truths and a couple little lies and we mix them together so we can do what God has said. No, thou shalt not. And that's exactly what the snake does to Eve. And she falls for it. She takes all that all that truth, those couple lies mixed in, all of these great reasons why she should disobey. And she does. She takes the fruit and she eats of it. She gives it to her husband who is right there with her. Wow, you know that stereotype of husbands who are uninvolved with their wives and never engage? Here's where it starts. He is standing right there. Next Eve, while there's a talking snake trying to get her to do what is wrong. And he does nothing. He just stands there. And when she hands him some fruit, he's like, okay. And now we get to the consequences because it's not good. It's really, really not good. God shows up, right? These guys, they eat the fruit, their eyes are opened and they realize they're naked. They were naked and unashamed. They're still naked, but now they've got shame. They've got internal conflict. They're messed up inside. They used to be at peace inside. They used to be confident and secure. They're not confident and secure anymore. They're ashamed and they're confused and they're sewing up leaves to try and make clothes to cover themselves. And when God says, um, <laughs> Adam, comes to Adam, I think, because he, Adam got the command. Um, Adam, what are you doing? What are the first words out of Adam's mouth? It's our fault. The woman you gave me. He's throwing, he throws his wife under the bus. And then he throws God under the bus. The woman you. The woman you put here. She did it. It's her fault. So they're messed up internally. And now they're messed up with each other. 
Now they're in conflict. Now they're blaming one another. And he comes to Eve like, what, what have you done? And what does she do? She, it's a snake. The snake tricked me. It's the snake. And I ate. The woman, she gave it to me. The one you put here gave it to me. And I ate. The snake, the snake tricked me. And I ate. And so God pronounces judgment. Because they wouldn't obey. That, that's the way the world works. There is no place on this planet where the authority says, do this, and you get to say, I'll think about it. If you have a job where your boss says, I want this done by 5 p.m., and you say to your boss, I'll consider your request and decide for myself whether I think that is one worthy of my time, right? I would love to know who you work for. It, the world doesn't work that way, and God doesn't work that way. You don't get to be in God's kingdom as God's subject saying, ah, fine, I'll listen to what you have to say, but it's totally my choice whether I obey or not. So God pronounces judgment. First one he judges is the snake. He's worked his way down the hierarchy. To the snake, cursed are you. You will crawl on your belly and eat dust. And then listen to this. Now he turns, right? That's, on the, that's just on the snake. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. There's going to be a battle going on. I don't think I'm giving away any spoilers. There's going to be a battle between good and evil in this world from now on. There's going to be a battle between those who follow the snake and do what they want and live their own lives and decide for themselves and those who don't. There's going to be an ongoing fight between two sides, whereas the world, everything used to be in harmony. Now there's brokenness and there's sides. <laughs> there's the evil one and there's God. And everything is gonna start lining up and they're gonna fight one another. And we have all seen it in the world. And then listen to this. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Every commentator you read notes the same thing. So my Bible says between your offspring and hers, yours might say between seed or descendants or something like that. In the language Moses wrote in, ancient Hebrew, the word offspring's the same as it is in English. It can mean one person or many. I can say, oh, you know, I have one offspring. I have two offspring. I have 12 offspring. In English, the way you tell the difference is the verb. If I say my offspring is at college, is a singular, so that's one person. I'm talking about one offspring. If I say my offspring are at college, are is plural, plural, that's more than one. That's how you know in English. In Hebrew, the way you know is the pronouns. He, singular, will strike your singular head. You, singular, will crush his singular heel. There's gonna be this battle between good and evil, light and darkness, but there's also gonna be one guy. Someday, there's going to be one descendant of Eve who strikes the final blow against the snake. And hey, the snake gets his shot too, right? The snake's not defenseless. The snake strikes back. But in the end, he, there's one descendant who will strike that blow against evil. That's important because so much of the rest of the Old Testament is looking for this guy. Who is he? I mean, we're gonna see that as we're going through this, this narrative arc. One of the questions we're always asking ourselves is, is this the guy? Is this the guy 
who's going to strike that blow? Is this the guy who's going to set everything right? Is this the descendant of Eve who is going to fix it all and finally defeat the snake? Even in the very first curse, there is a promise and there is hope that this is not permanent. That this, this war, it's going to go on for a while, but someday someone is going to show up. Even in the very first curse, there's still hope. There's still a promise. Then he turns to Eve. I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you'll give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To me, when I read that, that sounds like they're just talking about the actual process of giving birth, which I have never experienced, but Bill Cosby says it's like taking your lower lip and pulling it up over your head, apparently, so somewhat painful. It's actually the way Moses writes it. It's the whole process. It's conception to raising them. It's not just childbearing in that, that little moment of going into labor and having a child. It's the whole nine yards. And think about how common infertility is. And think about how much pain it causes. Elizabeth and I did not struggle with infertility. She got pregnant relatively easily. And yet, there's still that question every month when you're trying to get pregnant. Is she pregnant? After Nicholas, our first child, she miscarried. When she was pregnant with Christian, wow, every ultrasound. There is this gnawing fear in the pit of your stomach. Every ultrasound. What's going to happen this time? You're going to have pain in this, God says. What should be joyful and wonderful and a blessing because you won't live in my kingdom under my rules, then you're going to have to do it alone. And the whole thing the whole thing is going to have pain, and it does, even in raising children. And you know it. If you have kids, you know the pain that comes. Now, if you want to have fun and you've got nothing better to do, get out some commentaries and read, Your Desire Will Be for Your Husband, and He Will Rule Over You. Because, wow, are there a wide range of what people think that might mean. Um, the one I haven't heard that I will share with you that I thought was really interesting is one of the commentators... He thinks it, it, the whole thing, it's, a big, it's all about having kids. Because if you want to have kids, you need a guy. You need a husband. And so he thinks it means your desire will be for your husband. And your desire is to have children. But he can say no. And you see that happen in Scripture. You see Judah's son die and his second son refuse to have children with his sister-in-law like he's supposed to. You see it happen with Jacob where he's got four wives and they're having battles over who can have the most kids. And so they're fighting over who he gets to sleep with. And it's awful for all of them. You see it in the book of Ruth. The guy who ought to marry Ruth and have children with her won't do it because the first child isn't his. He'll be counted as if it belonged to Ruth's Oh, the family of Ruth's husband. Like, you'll see this happen throughout Scripture of men refuse to have children when they should. Maybe that's your free commentary verse with, uh, with sermon. But to the snake, we get, yep, you get, you're, you're, you're going to crawl and there's going to be war to the woman. We get all the problems in chill, with children. <laughs> and then to Adam, 
And Adam doesn't just get, what have you done because you did this? Because you listened to your wife instead of me. Because you ate from the tree that I told you not to eat from. Now, what do you expect? Because what did God say would happen when you eat? When you eat from that tree, you will die. What you expect, what the people reading this expect is for God to kill him. Because he did what was forbidden and it was given to him. He wasn't deceived. You know, throughout scripture, sin is never placed on Eve's shoulders. It's placed on Adam's shoulders. Because Eve was deceived and Adam sinned willfully. Adam knew it and did it anyway. You expect, like the, the, the punishments are ramping up. The snake has to crawl on the ground and in the future there's gonna be problems. Eve is gonna have problems and those problems are gonna continue. And what you expect with this, here's the main guy, the guy that got the command, the guy that should have been the one ensuring it's, it, it is taken care of and everything is done properly. What you expect is he's gonna die. And one, one of the guys that I was uh, listening to in preparing this sermon, he said, imagine you're watching a movie and it's, you know, this cop puts away some mafia figure. Um, and as revenge, the son of this guy that he's put away comes and kills the cop's family. And so the whole movie is the cop chasing down the villain, right? Until he's finally got him. He's got him kneeling in front of him. He's got the gun pointed right at him. And the, the camera's looking at the gun and you watch the gun go bang, bang, bang. And then the camera spins around and the villain's still kneeling there on the ground and you see all the gunshots around him. And then the police officer arrests him. What you expect is for him to kill the villain. What you expect is for God to kill Adam. What God shoots is the ground. What you, you think he's gonna say is, cursed are you. And he loses his life. What he says is, Cursed is the ground because of you. Adam's sin should have resulted in his death. That was the penalty, but it doesn't. Not right away. It's going to happen. He says it in 19. You will return to the ground. You're going back there someday, but you're not going back today. The ground, the earth suffers because of what Adam did. And again, even in the curse, you've got this promise that God is delaying that he's waiting. He could exercise judgment on Adam right there. That would be just, but he's not going to. He punishes the ground instead, and he waits. Again, do you see what, what's getting set up here? That, that God is going to wait. He's not going to bring justice now. He's gonna punish something else. There's a guy who's gonna come. And he's the one who is going to defeat evil right here in the worst day in the history of the world. God is laying out what he's going to do. That one day the Messiah will come, that he's going to wait. That's what Paul says in Romans 3. God waited. He didn't punish sin in the moment. He didn't punish sin at the time. Because if he did, he'd have to destroy people. So he waited, just like with Adam. He waited. And he waited. And he waited until it was time for that guy to show up and strike a blow against evil. Someone else gets punished. Adam means man. It's literally, that's what the word means in Hebrew, Adam, man, mankind. 
instead of punishing mankind, someone else is going to get punished, even right here at the worst day in the history of the world. God is laying out that he will fix this. That, that he will take care of this one day. He could execute judgment right now and be done, but he's not going to. But again, I don't think I'm giving away any spoilers. Like, we've gone through Jesus, the climax, and we're on our way back down, but we're not at the conclusion. You still live in the world of enmity between those who follow the evil one and those who follow God. You're still there, and you still face these same choices every day. Okay, the consequences are not as severe. The whole earth is not going to be cursed because of your disobedience. I hope not. I don't think so. But you face this every day because you live in this same world. You live in the same world where the evil one comes to you and says, did God really say? How do you know how to answer that question? You got to read it. I try, if you know me personally, you know encouragement is my thing. I try and encourage you to read the Bible. I try and tell you how good it will be for you. I try and say, this is great. You should do this. Come on. I know it's hard work. You can do it right. I, I, I am Mr. Encouragement. Let me just flip that a little bit and say that if you are not reading your Bible, you are a moron because the evil one is going to try and fool you. Many of you do more due diligence on buying a car than you do on your spiritual life. One of our teachers here, a, a woman who teaches in Sunday school, she was teaching at a seminar with other, a, a bunch of church people from different churches. And a woman there at that seminar confidently asserted that there's a story in scripture where Jesus condemned an adulterous woman to die but did not condemn the man. And she used that as to explain to everyone how the Bible hates women. Did God really say? And the, 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 our teacher was kind of like, what story? She's like, oh yeah, they bring him this adulterous woman. They don't bring him the man. They just bring the woman. And he condemned her. So she starts reading John 8. And the woman's like, yep, that's the story. And then you read the rest of the story. <laughs> Jesus stops them from stoning the woman. He protects her. He saves her. But this woman confidently asserted that Jesus condemned an adulterous woman to death by stoning, but he said nothing about the man because Jesus hates women. And then she spun off a whole bunch of lies. How do you know? There are so many people saying so much nonsense about this book. How do you know if you don't read it? Again, I've told you, if you only come here and listen to me, how many years would it take 30 plus years, assuming I preach on a single chapter every week? How are you going to know? When people tell you the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are totally different. When people tell you God's a homicidal maniac. When people tell you it's all a myth, it's all made up, oh, everyone. When people tell you God hates women because Jesus condemned this woman to be killed, could you say, no, he doesn't. Let me read the story to you. When people pull a verse here and a verse there and say, look, it says right here. Do you know there's a verse in Amos where God says, go to Bethel and sin. Go to Gilgal and sin some more. Look, it's right there in the Bible. God wants you to sin. He's commanding it. Go to Bethel and sin. He said that. Do you know what he says right before that? 
Well, if you're not going to obey me, then fine. Go to Bethel and sin. Go to Gilgal and sin. Do you know what he says right after that? And do not be surprised when your enemies crush you like grapes because you have foregone my protection. But it says it right there. Go and sin. See, God wants us to sin. How are you ever going to stand before someone who confidently asserts, well, the Bible says this. No, it doesn't. I will not even begin to tell you the number of conversations I have at Crema, the coffee shop, with people telling me utter nonsense about what the Bible actually says. And the number of times I pull the Bible out, I'm like, I don't think, here, listen, I don't think that's what it says. But you can't do that if you haven't read it. So as Anna said, Bible reading plans. There's three different Bible reading plans on the table in your back. You have no excuse today not to pick one up and take it home and start. Go online, Bible reading plan. Put it into Google. You will find myriads upon myriads. But if you are not reading scripture, wow, are you going to get played? You are going to get completely fooled because you have no idea. You have absolutely no idea. You live in a world when we are told all the time, well, God said this, and did God really say that? And do you really want these things? You need to know. You need to read the scriptures. You got to know them. And you live today in the, the epitome of what the evil one said to Adam and Eve, which is be your own gods. Whatever God said, you need to decide for yourselves. And that is what our world will tell you. Every single day, you need to be independent. If, you are a, if, you're, if you're a child here living in your parents' household, everything around you will tell you to be independent from your parents. Don't listen to them. Name a Disney movie where a character has two parents and they give that person good advice. Okay? You will struggle. I can assure you, I tried. You will struggle to find one. That, that, that's not the message. The message we teach everyone is be independent. Don't listen to anyone else. Only you matter. You do you. If you are a man in the middle of a conversation with a bunch of guys and you say, wow, I need to talk to my wife about that. She is so much wiser than I am. At best, you're going to get eye rolls and at worst, you're going to be mocked for months. Right? To say what scripture says, that we are connected and we need each other and that God has given this woman to me to help me like God helps me because God knows I need help. Wow, that does not play to our you. If you are a guy, then you need to be independent. To need anyone is to be weak and a loser. And if you are a woman who says that I need my husband, or that I'm just trying to live out a godly submission to my husband, wow, you will not be mocked. You will get death threats. Because you are a traitor to everything our culture holds dear. That you do you. You decide it's your choice. Sure, God may command, but you do whatever you want. You live in a world that is going to tell you every day, you need to decide for yourself. And I am going to tell you, we tried that. It doesn't go well. The whole world is cursed because of those decisions that we once made. If God says no, don't do it. And don't listen to people who give you a million good, quote unquote, reasons why you should. 
And if God says this is what you should do, then do it. Even if people think you're an idiot. Because that's what life looks like. And we'll see that as we go through this scope. But you still live in this world. We have not reached the resolution. We haven't reached the conclusion. We're not done yet. The guy has come. He has dealt with Satan. The war is won, but the fighting is still going on. There's mop-up operations going on all over the world, and they're going on in our very hearts. Know your Bible. Do what God says, because everything he says is good. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to ask God's spirit, like I always do. Speak to us. Wow, are there places where you know what to do and you're not doing it? You know what God has said. God says don't take revenge, but you want to. Of course you want to. I want to too. But God says no. He says leave it to me. I will take care of this. My way, my time. Leave it to me. Are are there places where you know what God is calling you to do or you know what he's calling you not to do? And you've spun in your mind all these reasons why you should disobey. Again, tried that. Doesn't go well. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. I mean, I'm sorry. (laughs) Even here in Genesis chapter three, we start to get these tiny little clues that you are coming. But you only have to come because we wouldn't obey. You have to come and save us because we ran away. Because we would not do. The one thing that we had been told, we wouldn't do it. Oh, Lord, be gracious to us. Forgive us. And I know, this happens every day in my heart. This battle goes on inside me. Every day, will I obey or not? Will I be independent and I choose? Or will I be dependent and you choose? And I know that happens in the hearts of all my brothers and sisters here. We are still in that war. That enmity, it still goes on. The evil one still says to us, oh, God doesn't say that and God doesn't want that and you need to take care of yourself because no one else is going to. And Jesus, you tell us not to worry about ourselves. Don't worry about what we eat. Don't worry about what we wear. Don't worry about where we sleep. You will give those things to us in your way, in your time. I mean, we, we have two completely opposite messages And every day we have to choose which one to believe. And Lord, you know our hearts. You know how often I choose that I will decide. And you know how often I choose to trust you. And Jesus, I pray for us. I pray for this church. Pray for everyone gathered here and everyone listening to me who will watch this one day. Lord, move in our hearts that we will be people who know what you have said and do it. Because that is the path of life because you are our good God, because you will come. You will come and strike a blow, the final blow over the evil one. Oh, but he will hurt you too. We, we know, Moses, I don't think Moses had a clue, but we know exactly how he is going to strike you and what that will cost you. And we know we will celebrate in just, just a few weeks, we will celebrate your death and your resurrection. Thank you. We're so, so grateful, Lord. Holy Spirit, be at work in us. Speak to us as we sing, as we take communion, as we pray, as we go home this afternoon. Speak to us. There are any ways that that we're not obeying, that we know what is good and right. We've just decided to be our own God. We've just decided that we 
we'll decide. Forgive us, Lord. Change our hearts. Turn our hearts towards you. We pray this in your name, Jesus, because we're yours. Not because we did it, but because you did it. Amen.